Good morning, Middle Church. Happy Sunday. My name is Wesley Rowell, and I am a member of Middle Collegiate Church. We're so happy you're here this morning. There's so much going on in the life of the world and in the life of Middle Church. So let's get started. But first, let's just take a deep cleansing breath together. Let's breathe in. And let's breathe out. Let us worship the Lord.
Amen. Well, hello, friends. It is time for the message for all ages. So my young and young at heart, please gather around the screen. It is Latinx and Hispanic Heritage Month this month, where we uplift and celebrate the different cultures and countries and foods and dialects and ethnicities of folks whose families come from Latin America and or Spain. Now, an important part of my relationship with my partner is sharing foods and stories and histories from our birth countries. And he grew up in El Salvador. So for today's message for all ages, I want to tell you about a really cool woman in El Salvador's history. Her name is Prudencia Ayala. Now, Prudencia was an indigenous writer social activist and women's rights pioneer. She is recorded as the first woman in El Salvador and Latin America to run for president. Isn't that so cool? Now, do you wanna hear something really interesting about that? She ran for president 20 years before women in El Salvador could vote. That's more years than I can count on my fingers, right? And probably you too. Now, Prudencia stood for many things, including women's rights, the right for fair wages and conditions for workers. And she advocated for guns to have restricted access. And friends, aren't these all things that we also care about and believe in at Middle Church? Now, even though she ran almost a hundred years ago, her important values are things that we are still fighting for across the world, friends. Now, unfortunately, El Salvador's Congress voted that Prudencia could not run for president, womp womp, but she set an important legacy for women everywhere. And so today, we lift up and we honor her memory. Friends, let's pray together. God, thank you for bold, revolutionary women who set powerful examples for all of us. May we know their names, their stories, and honor them. Amen. Amen, Elise. Thank you so much for that. Hello, Middle Church. We're at Prospect Park. Everybody say hello. We all made it. We're going to tell how Middle rises. Maya also brought us all, um, all the church people gifts. You see? Maya Alexander got some gifts for all of us church people gathered. All right, let me get to it, y'all, because I know my time is short, even though um, probably taking up half of the sad time. Um, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. I hope you can hear me over the airplane. <laughs> it's Hispanic Heritage Month. It started on the 15th. Um, so we're kicking that off this, this month. Also, right after worship, friends, is um, the re-entry roundtable. Well, we'll be talking about how we're going to start to gather. As you know, homecoming is on the 3rd, and we will be um, meeting in front of the church in the street 
on um, the 3rd at 11 a.m., not 11.45. You get there at 11.45, you're going to be missing half of it. So get there at 11 instead. We'll be worshiping outside, um, masked and vaccinated. And then 11.45 at uh, Calvary at St. George's um, starting on the 10th. So you'll want to make sure that you have your mask and that you're vaccinated. If you have any other questions about how we're doing this re-entry thing, please come to the chat and chew after this worship. Um, also on Tuesday, if you weren't able to come today, there is a middle mixer, the very last one of the season, um, uptown at St. Nicholas Park on 135th and St. Nicholas in the James Baldwin lawn with me. So meet me there, be happy to see you. I think it's at six, but you know what? If you text that number that I always tell you all to text, you can um, hit a calendar, text calendar and it will, and click on uh, Tuesday and it'll tell you what time the event is. And then um, the reparations task force is meeting, listening circle is next Sunday at 1245. Those are all the things I need to say. So we are now going to enter into a time of prayer. Um, as you know, we go into breakout rooms for like a minute and a half. So this is a quick, quick time for you to just share what's on your heart. We're gonna do that here in this space. And then we'll meet you back here in a minute and a half to um, do a little group prayer. All right, see you in a bit. All right, we are sharing. If anybody wants to share with the, with um, Facebook and YouTube, are there things you want to share? What are you holding on your heart? What's on your heart right now? I'm holding that we're going to be together again in a building soon. I see my heart when people go home. You're holding home? Yeah. I love that. Is it nice to be with church friends? Yeah. yeah. Can you have some more time? What? Yes, we'll have some more church time together. I'm holding that too, that we'll be able to continue to do gatherings safely. Holding that as well. We're holding Whitney in our hearts. What can I say? Who just found out that she lost her grandmother um, just a few minutes ago as we entered worship. So we are holding Whitney in our hearts. Is there anything else? Any other things we're holding on our hearts, friends? If you have anything, you can add it into the chat. We'd love to see. What things are you holding in your hearts? Our YouTube friends, our, our Facebook friends. What things are you holding in your heart? I'm holding all the students who are starting school, um, which just happened recently. All the parents who are navigating that. All the people who are recovering from the storms that we had in August. All of the rain, massive amounts of rain. We ask God to protect them. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with life anew. 
that we may love as thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Breathe on us, breath of God. Okay. Until our hearts are pure. Until our wills are your wills. That we may do and endure. Breathe on us, breath of God, so that we may never die. But live with you in the perfect life we're all eternity. Amen. Whoa. <laughs> I still got it. All right. Now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. You can say whatever version it is that you know, um, or the inclusive one that's in the bulletin. Ever loving the Holy God, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now we will pass the peace with our friends. Everybody say, peace be with you, Middle Church. Peace be with you. And now you have three minutes to go into a breakout room and talk about, oh shoot, Amanda, I forgot the question. Um, oh shoot. Amanda, if you want to put it in the chat, I'll tell people what to talk about. <laughs> How are you embodying community care today? How, has How are you embodying community care on today? <laughs> a time that you felt cared for by community. Elise wins winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's what it was. <laughs> Three minutes to talk about a time you felt cared for by community. Peace be with you. Peace. workshops that we've done on Black Lives Matter and white privilege and all that stuff. I've been in the social groups like New Adventures. Financial distress and I was don't even talk about it to others because I figured that's for me to deal with but never had a church of like an actual church that actually cared. I am so grateful for Middle and my choir family. I know that I have been lifted in prayer a million times, and I know that that is what has gotten me through the worst of my days. So middle has been a constant for me. It has been a very present help in a time of need, and I'm so grateful for my middle community for welcoming and embracing me. And even though we don't have a building, I feel really hopeful about the community that we continue to be for each other because I see all the ways in which we are looking out for each other. Really love uh, connecting with the young people um, and all in, in general, all of the groups that meet together in this time uh, virtually. And on Sunday is also inspirational and, and gives me some comfort that someday we'll be able, you know, we will be together again and be able to hug again and do all the things that we did uh, before the pandemic.
Hi, everyone. Welcome. Isn't it a joy to hear all the sounds of life with our little watch party in Prospect Park with Reverend Natalie? We love y'all out there. We love you wherever you are worshiping with us from today, Middle Family. Our passage today comes from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 through 4, 3, and then concluding with verse 8. And I'm reading today from the message translation, so it may sound a little different. Do you want to be counted wise, to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from it. It's animal cunning, devilish plotting. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Where do you think all these appalling wars, wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. But draw near to God and God will draw near to you. The written word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo. The book of James is all about practical advice for everyday living. An advice letter to those whom James called beloved, all of us. James reminds us that true religion requires an active faith demonstrated in how we live. Wisdom is held as the ultimate goal. But what is wisdom and who gets to define it? Real wisdom, James tells us, is a mark of the spirit, a sign of the spirit's indwelling presence, confirmation of God's love working within us. This wisdom leads to peaceful, gentle living. Gentleness with ourselves, but more importantly, gentleness with each other. That sounds pretty good to me right about now. What about you? Recently, I've been hearing from so many of you who are struggling with depression, anxiety, stress, exhaustion, a sense of purposelessness, fatigue. We've been hearing about pandemic fatigue and it's sneaky, I'm realizing. You think you're okay, but then you just crash. Something, it could be the smallest, most insignificant thing tips you off and surprises you and how you react. We're tired. We've never lived in a moment like this before. And if the author of James were sitting here with us today, I think they'd argue that much of the reason we're tired is because we haven't actually been living wisely. We haven't been gentle with each other. 
We haven't been demonstrating lives full of God's presence in every moment. We have forgotten to draw near to God and God will draw near to us. But I'm not coming here today to slap us on the wrist. That's the last thing we need. You see, our not living wisely isn't entirely our fault. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that the way that things are, were, are, were, and are looking to continue to be does not work. We've said this, right? We've said that racial, class, and environmental injustices are exposed anew, yes. But perhaps the single most important thing we're learning is that we are a country that does not have an ethic of care. And when we draw near to God, God reminds us that living wisely is predicated on care. Care not just for ourselves, but for us all. You see, I'm not talking about self-care that takes us to the spa or the salon or Starbucks, even though, I mean, those things are great and I hope you get to do all those things. But I'm talking about the need we have to move as a society from self-care to collective care. From I need to look after me to we need to look after each other. Collective care can't be captured by capitalism. Part of the reason we're so exhausted is because we've been fed social lies that if we want to feel better, we have to do the work. We have to buy the thing. We have to go to the place. We have to figure out how to make ourselves feel better. But shouting self-care at people who actually need community care is how we fail people, Nikita Valero says brilliantly. And in an interview with The Nation, Mariam Kaba says, the pandemic shows the limits of personal responsibility and the importance of a systemic response that enables people to take the actions that are needed to have community safety and wellness. If the government had acted appropriately by paying people to stay home and by ensuring that folks have the basic things they need, then we would have been through this a lot differently and a lot better. One thing that became clear to more people is how we're interconnected and interwoven. She continues, Maya Mingus and the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collaborative popularized this mutual aid thinking, this collective care conversation years ago. We need to prepare. You need these skills and this tool because disasters happen and harm occurs. And we're going to need to find responses that aren't emergency reactions. People had been saying what needed to be in place to weather pandemics, disasters, and harms, and suddenly we're finally hungry to learn, she concludes. While social distancing and hand washing and vaccines and masks, thank God for them, they are necessary tools to help stop the spread of the virus. They will only be effective if grounded in an ethic and practice of collective care. Only by deeply looking out for each other by building on rather than fearing the fact that we're interconnected and impacted by COVID and other disasters, will we actually be able to lessen sickness, death, and the emotional, practical, financial weight on all of us? Self-care alone will not solve systemic issues. For that, we need collective care. And if we look to our holy text, it's full of the wisdom of collective care. I'm talking about four friends removing a roof so their disabled friend could get to Jesus. 
Elijah and the widow, Tabitha making clothes for the community, Rahab helping the spies, the crowd of 5,000 plus, finding within themselves food for the hungry, women showing up together at the feet of Jesus and at the tomb, the disciples, there were 12 of them, remember? Learning and moving together. Yes, church, the wisdom of James, if we draw near enough to listen to it, is that wise living looks like reorienting our society to shout with the movements of care can't wait, care for all, and more than essential. And here's what's up for us, church. We get to live into the gift of care. We get to check in with each other during worship. We get to be cared for and cared for others in beloved community. And we must be courageous enough to show the world how to do it. To dare to proclaim as an institution that collective care is more than essential. That we need to invest in care, embody care culture, or we will continue to be unwell. The church can and must be a place that practices, teaches, and embodies collective care. Now, what does that look like? I don't know exactly, but I know we can figure it out together. And I know a few things that it looks like. It starts by pointing out how the current system isn't working, check. By being real about our struggles and, our struggles and caring for our aging parents, community members, children. It starts by making sure everyone can take the time off work that they need, that everyone has enough to eat, clean water to drink and with which to sanitize, that supports are in place so that no one ever thinks they're alone. It means that there are supports in place to support mental health. It looks like accessible healthcare, getting paid justly for caring for parents, the elderly and our children. It's reminding the world that it was nurses, janitors, food workers, farm workers, subway operators, USPS workers that saved us during the pandemic, not Congress and not billionaires. It's demanding permanent status and protection for undocumented immigrant women so they can work in security and dignity. It's reminding people that care jobs, domestic work is done by majority women of color and resisting the racism and sexism that allows that work to be pushed aside and way undervalued and underpaid. It's reminding Congress that we must pass the Build Back Better plan that will create jobs with living wages, respect, and dignity. Doing so would represent the largest investment in creating good jobs for women of color in the history of our nation, prioritizing a group of workers explicitly excluded from the New Deal due to racism. It's supporting organizations like National Domestic Workers Alliance, Caring Across Generations, and Care in Action. Yes, we must put care at the center of our justice, policy, and pandemic conversations because that's what God calls us to do. That's what love looks like. What else might it look like, church? It looks like pairing deacons with congregants and setting up systems within our member portal for us to connect with each other, to check in with each other, to see how we're doing. It looks like having a pastor on call, accessible when you need to know that somebody is there, when you're at your limit. It looks like a deacon walking and praying for an hour outside Sloan Kettering Memorial Hospital this week, while one of our own was undergoing a procedure. It looks like sending and receiving cards when we're celebrating or grieving. 
It looks like the technician, when she saw my tears during my miscarriage, who started crying too, because she understood that our lives are more than scientific. We're human. And when we're vulnerable with each other, we give each other permission to be vulnerable too. To remember that we are only and only human, that we need each other, that we need care. It looks like members coming together and saying, okay, so we don't have a building anymore. There's nowhere to pack food, but people are still hungry. So we're gonna pack lunches in our home and we're gonna meet to deliver them so our butterfly ministry can continue. And yes, it's continuing and it's happening starting homecoming Sunday. It looks like doing things with our time that doesn't compute. And we're gonna do one such thing right now. We are going to embody collective care. So I don't want you to worry about how long I've been preaching or what time it is. I want you to just get comfortable, however you wanna receive care. I know we're in the Zoom space and it's so great to see your, each other's faces, but if you'd like to turn your video off for just a minute, feel free to and get comfortable and hear these words that may be familiar, but may be new. These are words from our holy scriptures that remind us how much we are cared for. Cast all your anxieties on God. God cares for you. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Cast your burden on the Lord and the Lord will sustain you. She will never permit the righteous to be moved. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. She makes me lie down in green pastures. They lead me beside still waters. They restore my soul. She leads me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good plans to give you a future and a hope. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can open your eyes and come back into the space. How do you feel? Did you reconnect with parts of you you hadn't connected with in some time? Did you feel silly or guilty for spending time being cared for? We have to unlearn that, y'all. 
We have to resist the loud ways that capitalism and white supremacy and the patriarchy denounce collective care, thereby failing all of us. We have to build systems of care. And as the church, as an institution that holds deeply the call to rehearse on earth as it is in heaven, we must be a people who cultivate radical, revolutionary collective care. So may we know and feel care. May we support all those doing the work of care. May we embody and build a revolutionary care that the whole world needs. Amen. Hello, Middle. My name is Michelle Minyoung Lee, and I'm a proud member of Middle Collegiate Church. I have the huge privilege and honor to share why of all the churches in the world, Middle is my spiritual home. Before Middle, I was a lost sheep. I grew up believing that as an Asian American, I had to work really hard to live up to what I later found out was this model minority narrative, the stereotype about Asian Americans narrated in 1966 by a white sociologist, William Peterson, who described Japanese Americans as a success story in light of the civil rights struggles at the time. And to this day, the stereotype about Asian Americans is often used as a wedge to diminish struggles of other communities of color and sustain white supremacy. When I came to New York uh, years ago, I became critically aware of this, as well as the effects of systemic racial injustice. I was so shamed that I perpetuated the narratives that drove racial and economic inequality. I became really spiritually lost, believing religion wasn't for me, and my mental health deteriorated. But then a friend told me about Middle, this church that fights for marginalized communities. It took me a while, but one day I showed up. I was welcomed, felt a flood of emotion as I witnessed the magic of the choirs, the worship, the people, and the power and love that is Reverend Jackie Lewis that literally made me sob right in front of her when I ran up to her to say hello. Middle's embraced me when I've been in anguish. I've connected with other members, many thanks to leaders like Elise, Madge, Kaliswa, and others. I've connected with Reverend Chad Tanaka Puck over the complexities of what it means to be Asian American in a white supremacist and capitalist society. I've broken down during the pandemic in front of Reverend Amanda, who has listened so patiently to my struggles and held me in prayer over Zoom. I've broken down sobbing in front of Reverend Daryl Hamilton, who had just joined us, but without hesitation, immediately made space for me as I grieved over the deaths of the victims of the Atlanta shooting. And he also engaged with me in some important conversation about the need for black and Asian solidarity. I've been introduced through Middle's programming and the Revolutionary Love Conference to other amazing people in the multi-faith community. I found my home. Many thanks to your love and support for Middle. Thank you. I'm sitting in a railway station Got a ticket to my destination mm -hmm. On a tour of one night stands My suitcase and guitar in hand And every day is neatly planned For a poet and a one Homeward bound I wish I 
me Every day is an endless stream of cigarettes and magazines And each town looks the same to me The movies and the factories And every stranger's face I see Reminds me that I long to be homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Home where my thoughts escaping. Home where my music's playing. Home where my love lies waiting silently for me. Tonight I'll sing song again. I'll play the game and I'll pretend. But all my words come back to me in shades of mediocrity, like emptiness in harmony. I need someone to I wish I was homeward bound Home where my thoughts escaping Home where my music's playing Home where my love lies waiting silently for me Lord, we thank you for these gifts and for the gifts of your beloved community. Lord, make us revolutionary justice makers, revolutionary lovers, revolutionary peacemakers. In your many magnificent names we pray. Amen.
Amen. Friends, just as a reminder, when we Benedict from this space, you're invited to come back at 1245 for an important conversation about how we are going to collectively care for each other in this moment where some of us are going to be coming together in person to worship for the first time since March 2020. So stay with us at come back at 1245. Bring your questions where we can talk through together how we can care for each other in this moment. We need to heal our souls. We need to heal the world. The daily grind is not cutting it. Our country does not have the fabric of the more than essential work of care at her core. But we do. Love does. God does. Collective, life-giving, healing, revolutionary care can heal our souls and the world. So go now from this place knowing that you are cared for and that you have the power to show the world how it can be done. Amen. <laughs>